You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. If you have your Bibles, look with me this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23. Grab your sermon notes if you'd like. You can follow along. This morning, I want to talk with you as we're continuing this Unstuck series. I want to talk with you about getting stuck in religion, stuck in religion. You know, I had my first encounter with religion when I was about six, six, maybe seven years of age, probably closer to six. Um, my brother and I were playing cards, and there was a, a sweet dear saint that was a part of our congregation that I grew up in. Her name was Fern Souls. We called her Annie Fern. Um, but my brother and I were playing cards, and she came into the room and caught us playing cards, and she literally flipped her wig right off of her head. And that she knew the preacher boys were going to go straight to hell because we were playing cards. And I didn't understand. I mean, it was like old maid, right? Like, what, what's the connection? And, and in her mind, in uh, Auntie Fern's mind, there was no place for dice. There was no play, place for cards. Certainly there was no place for dancing. And my goodness, you wouldn't want to go to the movie show because what would happen if Jesus returned and you were in the movie show, right? <laughs> religion. That was my first encounter, six years of age with religion. And I've been in the church all of my life, 52. So I have... Uh, experienced about 52 years of religion. And I can tell you that religion is alive and well today uh, in the church, in the body of Christ, even at times here at Grace Covenant. So we want to talk today about about how do we get unstuck from religion. Going back in church history, there was a a popular church hymn that was titled, Give Me That Old Time Religion. How many of you remember that song? Give Me That Old Time Religion. That probably dates some of us. Let let me just read a couple lines of the song for you. It went like this. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. It was good for the Hebrew children. It's good enough for me. It's good for my dad and mother. It's good enough for me. It will do when I'm dying. It's good enough for me. And the problem with old time religion is that we can get stuck in religion and lose sight of the value of relationship. We can get stuck in a form of rule keeping that really doesn't look anything like what Jesus has called us to. Being that of followers of Jesus Christ. If we're not careful, we can get so hung up in religion that we begin to live our lives by rules that restrict rather than embracing a relationship with Jesus Christ that frees our lives. And I think one of the greatest challenges of getting stuck in religion is that you may be there and not even realize it. Everybody else can see it. Everybody else can identify it, but you can't see it. That was the problem. We're going to discover this morning, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they were stuck in religion. They thought everything was good. It wasn't good. They thought they were right when they were wrong. They were stuck in religion, and they didn't even know it. The challenge, I think, today is the same thing can happen to us. We can be a bit pharisaical. In our lives. And I'll get to that more in just a minute. But I, I want to... Uh, I want to begin by by giving you some your, some statements. I just want you to reflect on, kind of evaluate your own life. These are statements you might be stuck in religion if. Okay? So don't think about your neighbor. Just look straight ahead like this. Okay? And think about your own life as I read these statements. 
You might be stuck in religion if you can see everyone else's faults, but you're blind to your own. Say, oh me. Go ahead. You might be stuck in religion if you detest mercy being given to those who, unlike you, haven't worked for it and certainly don't deserve it. You might be stuck in religion if you find pleasure in nitpicking, judging, and ridiculing others. You might be stuck in religion if you've created a set of rules that guide your life and you use those rules to measure others. You might be stuck in religion if you value outward appearance over authenticity. You might be stuck in religion if you've come to believe that your means of attaining greatness is to make everyone else lower than yourself. You might be stuck in religion if you think the way to be right with Jesus is through adherence to a set of rules. Hey, Jesus, Jesus never called us to be a part of religion, nor did he call us to engage in a list of rules. What Jesus Christ came and gave his life or what he died for is that you and I might be able to live every day in a vibrant, life-giving relationship with a God who loves us outrageously. Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. He came to open the way to relationship. We have an illustration of of the challenge of being stuck in religion in in John chapter 4. I'm going to get to Matthew 23 in just a moment. But let me just reference this story. John chapter 4, Jesus and the disciples are traveling. And John chapter 4 begins like this. They were going... um, I'm going down to Jericho, and they, and they had to go through Samaria. Um, interesting statement. And as the story goes on, Jesus comes to a well. It's the middle of the day. The disciples go into town to get lunch, and Jesus is like relaxing at the well. And as he's relaxing at the well, there's a woman who comes to the well to draw water, a Samaritan woman. And Jesus begins to interact with this woman, have a conversation. Within the midst of the conversation, he unveils some truth about the woman. Um, he reveals that she's been married five times and the man she's presently living with is not her husband. But what's interesting is you read the story in John chapter 4, Jesus doesn't condemn the woman. Jesus doesn't bring out a list of rules to tell the woman how wrong she is. If you notice, in the midst of the conversation, Jesus begins to talk with her about life-giving water. Jesus begins to talk with her about life. Jesus didn't bring rules and rituals. No, he brought relationship. And this lady's life, the Samaritan's woman's life, was like radically changed. And if you read on in the story, the disciples show up. And they see Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman, and they like flip out. Like, what's he doing? Like, he's breaking all of the rules. I mean, Jesus, what are you doing? You're talking to a Samaritan woman. The disciples were stuck in religion and they were so stuck in their rules that they couldn't see the value of the Samaritan woman. And they wanted Jesus to keep the rules and Jesus was more concerned about this woman and her having a a relationship with God. if, If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can be a lot like the disciples and that we have our rules and we don't see the value of people. And that's what religion does. There's the elevation of elevation of rules. You know, it's interesting as you look to the Gospels, and I think this is, for me, this is fascinating, that Jesus' harshest words recorded in the Gospel were not for the prostitutes, not for the thieves, not for the sinners, not for people who are far from God. No, his harshest words were for the religious folks. 
Let me say it like this to bring it a little closer home. His harshest words were for the church folks. His harshest words were for people who who were keeping rules and through the keeping of rules they thought they were right with God. I mean, if you look throughout the Gospels again and again and again, there's this conflict that Jesus has with this religious group, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Again, the good church folk of the day. He was having this continual conflict. Why? Because they were, they were stuck in religion. And here's the greatest challenge. They thought they were right, but they were wrong. They thought they were right because of their rule keeping. But their hearts were so far from God. So, so what is religion? Let's, let's begin with the definition of religion. I think it's there in your notes. Religion is this. It's a system of beliefs or code of moral conduct that judges a person based on their adherence to, a certain, to certain codes, rules, laws, traditions, or the performance of required acts. So religion is that they can get lost in the details and miss the person of Jesus. Religion can be like consumed with rule-keeping and miss the relationship with Jesus. It can elevate value and of structure over the value of people. But maybe the most dangerous, the most dangerous thing about religion is that most people who are stuck in religion are blind to it. We're, we can be like, again, the Pharisees of Jesus' day. The law keepers of, of Jesus' day. They were stuck in their religion. They missed the very life that Jesus came to bring. They, they were religious, but, but they were wrong. You know, there's a, there's a big difference. There's a big difference between religion and Christianity. And oftentimes we group them together and we, we kind of group it all under religion. But I, I would say today that religion and Christianity are not the same thing. Matter of fact, let, let me just kind of let me kind of contrast the two. Religion is man trying to reach up to God. Christianity is God reaching down to man. Big difference. Religion is what man has to do to be right with God. Christianity is about what God's already done provide the way that man can be right with God. Religion is about effort. Christianity is all about grace. Religion is about how good can I be where Christianity's about God's grace to us that makes us good. It's not about my effort. It's not about it's not about my works. So praise God for his grace that that frees us and empowers us to live out of vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. So this morning, we want to look at this passage of Scripture here in Matthew 23, where Jesus is like blowing up the religious um, thought of the day. Like he is taking these church folks to the cleaners concerning their rules, concerning their wrong thinking about how they can be right with God. So in Matthew 23, I want to read the first few verses. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter at some point, maybe later today. But let me, let me read the first 11 verses. And Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and they put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Notice verse 5. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long, and they love the, the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and have men call them rabbi. 
But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master, and you're all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Notice verse 13. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You, you, shut, up, you shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces, and you yourselves do not enter. Nor, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Well, some pretty direct words. Would you agree? Pretty direct words for the church folk of Jesus' day. And again, what I would challenge you to this morning is don't read this passage of Scripture and think, wow, those Pharisees were really messed up. And one of the things I've come to discover is there's a whole lot of Pharisee in me. And if you were honest this morning in an evaluation of your life, it's really easy to slip into a form of religion. It's really easy for us to become Pharisaical. You know, just as I was thinking of my own life and some of my own challenges, as I was thinking about the Pharisee in me, I, I know I, I can become critical seeing the wrongs of others while being blind to my own. I don't know if you have that challenge, but, but I, I struggle with that. Amazing how quick I can identify how wrong someone else is. And I have this challenge, and the challenge is, is I can see the speck in my brother's eye when I have a two before in my own. What is that? It's, it's called religion. It's called being stuck in, in a form of, of rule keeping. You know, I, I can also be often, I can also be guilty of doing my good works to gain the applause and the approval of others. In other words, I want you to tell me how great I am. I don't know if you struggle with that, but it's just the reality of my humanity. Like, what is that? Again, it's a form of religion. And that my, I, want, I want my works to be that, that that others celebrate. Rather than doing what I should be doing to bring honor to God, I, I can use rules to try to control people rather than loving people where they are. And in other words, I can take rules to try to manipulate people. I don't know if you struggle with that, but the Pharisees did, and at times it can be a challenge in my own life. For the Pharisees, they were all about the rules and the regulations because they were using the rules and the regulations to have authority over people to control people. It put them in a level higher than others. That's what their religion was all about. And that's why Jesus is blowing it up here in, in Matthew 23. So, so let's talk for a minute about the, about the dangers of being stuck in religion. Looking to what Jesus said in Matthew 23, let me quickly give you four dangers. The first danger of being stuck in religion is this, big talk, no walk. Big talk, no walk. Notice what Jesus said about the religious folks. Look back to verse 2 and 3. He says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. In other words, they have a place of authority. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. The message paraphrase reads like this. These two verses says, they talk a good line, 
but they don't live it out. They, they don't take into their hearts and live it out in their behavior. It's all spit and polish veneer. You know any folks like that? I mean, they, they can quote the scripture. They can give you all the verses that tells you how wrong you are, how bad you are. They know the Bible. They can quote the Bible. They can talk a big talk. They can talk the faith, but they don't live the faith. And what is that? It, it's, it's called being stuck in religion. See, with religion, there's almost always hypocrisy and a disconnect between what's proclaimed and, and what's lived. Here, here's the second danger of religion that Jesus highlights. It's this elevation of rules over relationship. In other words, rules become more important than people. Rules become more valuable We're more committed to our rules than we are the people. The Pharisees of Jesus' day, listen, they loved their rules. Not only did they have the law, but they added their traditions to the law and ended up with this over 600 rules. To be exact, there were 613 rules that the Pharisees were using to manage others. And some of it just got like ridiculous. Let me just give you a couple examples I'm not making this up. This is in the Mishnah. This is part of one of the 613 laws. According to their rules and their traditions, on the Sabbath day, because we're to keep the Sabbath day holy, one of their rules was you cannot walk through a grain field on the Sabbath day because there is by chance that your sandal might clip a, 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 a stalk of wheat and it would be considered harvesting the wheat. Therefore, you would be breaking the Sabbath. Not crazy. Here was another one in regard to the Sabbath. The, the Pharisees says you cannot spit in the dirt on the Sabbath because if you spit in the dirt on the Sabbath, it's uh, making mortar and that would be working and you would be then working on the Sabbath. I'm not making this up for real. They had, had all of these rules to control people, but they didn't value people. So there's the elevation of of rules over relationship. See, where religion thrives, there, were, there will always be the result of, of, of the elevation of all of the things that we must do. Rules are more important than people. I don't know how many of you would be familiar with this name. There's a pastor by the name of Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith, uh, out on the West Coast, started a movement of churches called Calvary Chapel, uh, the Calvary Chapel movement. What's interesting is Chuck Smith didn't begin as a Calvary Chapel pastor. He began as a four-square pastor. He was pastoring a four-square church out on uh, the coast in California uh, during the uh, Jesus movement. And during the Jesus movement, I don't know how many of you recall that, but during the Jesus movement, um, there were a group of individuals known as hippies who were being radically saved. I mean, they were getting encountered by the love of God, the grace of God, and their lives are being like turned upside down, inside out. So there were some great things happening on the inside that had not showed up on the outside. And so these hippies started coming into the church without shoes. Imagine that. They came to church without, can you imagine that? They barefoot. Not only that, they had long hair, matted and nasty, hadn't bathed. But man, they had had experienced the grace of God and it changed their lives. As Chuck Smith tells the story, they would walk in the back door, walk down the aisle. They they wouldn't sit on the pew, they'd just sit right on the floor. 
right in front of the pulpit. But get this, the good folks, the good religious folks in that little four-square church said, what are you doing letting these nasty folks come into the building? They're going to get the carpet dirty. For real, I'm not making this up, for real. And basically, the religious folks of the church said, we don't want those people in here. I mean, look at them. Chuck Smith left that little four-square church and started a movement today called Calvary Chapel. Hundreds, over, well over a thousand churches across the United States today identify as Calvary Chapel. But it all came out of a movement where there was a man who said, I'm not going to value rules, church rules, church religion over people. Started a movement that's impacted hundreds, thousands of people. If we're not careful... Here's the challenge of religion, the danger of religion, is we have our church rules. The Pharisees had their rules in their day, but listen, don't think we're so far removed from them. We have our own rules. And we expect people to keep our rules. And when they don't, man, we put them in their place because we have our, our rules, our religion. The danger of religion is we elevate rules over relationship. Here's a third danger of religion. There's a high value on appearance, not heart transformation. In other words, it's all about how people view me. It's all about what you think about. It's not not about what God thinks of me. It's about what others think of me. If you look back to verse 5, Jesus said, Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide, their tassels on their garment long. They, they love places of honor at banquets, the most important seats in the synagogue. They, they love to be greeted in the marketplace and have people call them rabbi. Basically, Jesus was condemning the religious leaders because it was all about them. Their religion was all about them. It was about it was about using rules to control others to elevate their selves. So the danger of religion is, is the value of appearance, not heart transformation. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus is like more concerned about what's happening inside of you than he is outside of you? He's more concerned about heart transformation than he is about your external appearance. In 1 Samuel 16a, this is what God says. He says, man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. So let me ask you just a couple questions, just something for you to think about this morning concerning your heart. How long has it been since you repented before God, broken before God, for the stuff in your life? How long has it been since you said, I was wrong, will you forgive me? How long has it been since you died to yourself that you might serve someone else? See, these are hard issues. And it's the hard issues that God's concerned about. But religion puts this high value on appearance and really doesn't address the issues of the heart. God's concerned about what's happening in our lives. Here's here's the fourth danger of religion. It can create a false sense of spiritual security. In other words, people think they're right with God and they're not. They've been trying to keep the rules to be good enough, but the challenge is this, we can never be good enough. 
You might be good this morning, but let me tell you, friends, you're not good enough. See, religion deceives us, making us believe that it's about our effort. Like if I keep all of these rules, I got my rule checklist, and I'm, man, if I'm checking them up, if I'm keeping all the rules, and I'm doing all the right things, then I'm right with God. And that is the point of deception. Because you can never be good enough. Because here's the standard. The standard's perfection. The standard is 100% right, never wrong. How many of you know we can't make the standard? There's no one in the room today that's perfect. There's no one in the room today that is without sin and never sin. Listen, everyone in the room today, this is what I know about you. Listen, you've had bad thoughts. Some of you this morning. You've cheated, you've lied, you've stolen. I mean, listen, it is the reality. None of us are right, nor can none of us be right. The challenge, the challenge of the deception of religion is, is there's this false sense of security. So I'm right because I'm, man, I'm doing all the do's. We see this illustrated, maybe you read this story or heard the story, former mayor of New York City, Michael Bloomberg, uh, being interviewed by the New York Times made this statement, and the statement's about effort. But, but listen, listen as I read, because again, this is the deception Michael Bloomberg said, I'm telling you, if there's a God, doesn't know if there is, he's not sure yet, but he's saying, if there is a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not going to stop to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I've earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. See, that is the height of deception. I've given money. I've given a lot of money. I've I've done good. I've worked hard. I've brought this reformation. I've brought this change in the city. That's brought him to the place where he says, if there's a God, if there's a God, if there's an afterlife, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to march into heaven because I've earned it. I'm here to tell you today, you cannot earn salvation. Impossible. You can never be good enough. The standard's too high. I think God, God knew that. So what did He do? He, did, he sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who was without sin, who became sin for us, so that in Him, that in Christ, we might become the, the righteous of God. We might receive the righteousness of God. But again, the danger of religion is it creates this false sense of security. For the Pharisees of Jesus' day, again, they thought they were right. They really did. They thought that, that they had, like, man, we've kept all of these laws. We're right with God because we've kept the law. We've kept the rules. And I tell you again this morning, that there's, there's not enough rule keeping. There's not enough being right. There's not enough human effort to make you right with God. It's not possible. Huh? Listen, I'm all for going to church, but listen, just joining a church or just going to church will not save you. But I'm telling you today, because I've talked with people before, especially when it comes funeral time. I've talked with people who said, you know, well, his name was on the church roll. Listen, you can, you can have your name on the church roll and split hell wide open. Because religion cannot save you. You can read your Bible. And I'm all for reading your Bible. Listen, I, I read my Bible every day. I would encourage you to read your Bible every day. It's good for you. 
begins to bring transformation in your life. But listen, I don't care how many times you read the Bible through. Reading the Bible through alone will not save you. Again, we're back to human effort. You can give lots of money away. You can serve the poor, give to the poor. And I think it's good. I think it's right. But listen, there's no amount of serving the poor or giving money away that can save you. There's only one way that we can be saved, and it's by embracing the provision of Jesus Christ. It's not through religion. It's through relationship. That is the way to be right with God. But again, the danger, and this is probably the greatest concern for me, because I deal with this all the time, is people think they're right with God when they're not. When people think, well, you know, I've been good, Well, I'm glad you've been good. But can I tell you the truth? Listen, none of us are good. Go ahead and tell your neighbor, you're not good. Go ahead and tell them. It's true. It's true. Listen, we'll never, we'll never be, we'll never respond to nor be grateful for the grace of God until we truly come to understand that we are not good. We're depraved. It is reality. We're not good, and we can't be good on our own. That's Again, that's why God sent His Son. So, so how do we move from religion to authenticity? Because that's where we want to live. We don't want to be stuck in religion. We want to live out authentic relationship. So how do we get there? Really quick, three things. The first is this. You have to receive God's grace. God has this gift, and the gift is called salvation, but the salvation doesn't become yours. You don't become right with God until you receive the gift. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it's by grace we are saved through faith, not of our human effort, not of our works, not of our religion. You want to be right with God? Listen, there's only one way to be right with God. It's not through keeping rules. It's not through going to church. It's not by joining a church. It's not by doing all of these things, whatever the things would be. There's only one way you can be right with God, and it's this. You receive His grace. His grace that brings forgiveness. His grace that opens the way to relationship with God. So religion, no matter how good it is, listen, it can't make you right with God. You need to receive God's grace. Here's the second thing we want to do. Moving from religion... The authenticity is this. We want to extend God's grace. Receive God's grace. What are we going to do? Second thing we're going to do, second step we're going to take is we're going to extend God's grace. Meaning this, the very grace we've received from God, we give to others. You know, it's amazing to me. And again, I've been in church all my life. And, and I'm still amazed today in my own life. And as I talk with some of you, as I deal with you as... It's like we love to receive God's grace, but we get really stingy with God's grace. We love to talk about God's grace that comes through us, that brings favor, that brings acceptance, that brings blessing, that brings forgiveness. We love to talk about God's grace through us, but when we begin to talk about God's grace through others, we get tight-fisted. If we're not careful, we slide into religion and we come back to rules, regulations that restrict. We don't want to do that. Listen, God's not called you to be a rule enforcer. Okay? 
He doesn't need, that, that's what the Pharisees thought they were. They thought they were the rule enforcers. Listen, God doesn't need you to be a rule enforcer. What, does he, what he needs you to be is a giver of grace. That people can experience Jesus Christ through your life as you're living out grace, grace to them. So, so what does grace look like? Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. I think the Apostle Paul defines what living grace looks like. Listen as I read these couple verses. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's what living grace looks like. See, when we're living grace, what we're gentle, we're kind, we're patient, we're compassionate, we're, we're giving grace that forgives, we're bearing with others. That's what living grace looks like. And it's the opposite of religion because, again, religion's about what being judgmental and critical and, and it's about rule keeping. And we want to be those who, who extend God's grace to others. Here's a couple great questions just for you to reflect on. First is this. When you stand at the pearly gates, would you rather be told that you were too forgiving or too judgmental? Think about that. When you get to heaven, would you rather be told that you you were too gracious or you were too religious? May we be those who refuse to be pharisaical or are bound by religion. And may we freely give grace to others. Living out relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's a third step as we're moving from religion to authenticity is we want to live in God's presence. Receive God's grace. Extend God's grace. And thirdly is live in God's presence. So we're not carrying our rule checklist around. Evaluating our own lives or evaluating the lives of others. Now what are we doing we're just living in God's presence. Every day we, we're going to find ourselves just living out authentic relationship. Listen, if you are consistently, continually living in God's presence, it's going to keep you unstuck from religion. Why? Because you're embracing authentic relationship. And you daily come in before God and He's dealing with issues in your life. So don't settle for rule-keeping and human effort that's going to wear you down and wear you out and leave you empty. And don't do that. Choose to be an individual who lives daily in God's presence. Folks, what we don't want to do is settle for religion when God has so much more for us. So much more. We don't want to be pharisaical. And see, this is the challenge. This is what I know today. If you've been saved for more than a day, then there's a danger of you being stuck in religion. The longer we live in relationship with God, I think the greater challenge, the greater opportunity for us to get stuck in religion. We just get rigid. We get legalistic. We get sophisticated. And all that we know. We're not careful. We get stuck in religion. And, and we begin to think that the rules are more important than relationship. So we don't want to be there.
So what are we going to do? We want to live, live daily in God's presence. Embracing that of His grace and living His grace out to others. What we don't want to do is we don't want to offer the world religion. I, I think that's one of the reasons today so many people in our community are not interested in church because we've been offering them religion. We've been saying, come and keep our rules rather than living out grace. See, what I'm convinced of is that people experience the grace of God in and through our lives, then they become receptive to the gospel. Then they want to hear what you have to say. Why? Because they experience Jesus through your life. Not rules, not regulation, not religion. They've experienced the real thing. Being God's grace. Would you pray with me, Lord? I thank you this morning for your rescue, God, for your provision. I thank you, God, for your grace, your grace to us. The reality is, is we could never... We, we could never be good enough. It, it, we don't have it within us. God, you realize that you knew that, so you sent your son to die, that, that we might have life, that we might have the privilege of living in a life-giving relationship with you. God, rather than bringing judgment, you gave us Christ, and for that we're grateful this morning. But we don't want to be those who just... Receive your grace, God. We want to be those who live that grace. God, we don't want to be stuck in religion. With every head bowed and eye closed, let me ask you a couple questions this morning. Possibly you're here today and you're like, wow, I've been stuck in religion. I thought, I, I thought by joining a church I was could be right with God or I thought by keeping these rules and I've been keeping the rules I've been marking them up I'm a good rule keeper I thought by keeping the rules I could be right with God listen there's no amount of rule keeping that can make you right with God doesn't matter how many churches you join listen there's not a church on the face of this planet that can save you you're only saved through Jesus Christ it, it he is the only way to right relationship with God. Not the way to religion, but the way to relationship. So I, I want to ask you this morning, possibly you're here, and you've been deceived by religion. You've been stuck in religion, and you're saying, wow, I didn't know. I thought it was right between God and myself. I thought it was well with my soul. But today I've realized I've just been a good rule keeper. I've, I've been stuck in religion. And today I want relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you just raise your hand really quick. Today I want to open my life to Jesus Christ. Never done that before. But today I, I, I'm, I realize, wow, I, I need that in my life. Is there anyone on the, in the balcony on the main floor? Today you want to receive Christ as your Savior. Realizing that religion won't save you. Only Jesus can save you. Is there anyone?
seems like everyone is right with God. So here's a second question for you. If you're here today, and, and if you would be like me and just say, wow, I see some tendencies of the Pharisees in me. There's some Pharisee in me. And I just, I just need to repent before the Lord this morning. I've been legalistic. I've been rigid. I've been condemning. I've not been gracious. I've been measuring others by the rules that I've established. I've been elevating myself. I've, I've, I've been placing the value of appearance. I mean, there's so many places we could go with that. But if you're just, if you're just here today and you say, wow, today I see some Pharisee in me and I, I just need to repent. Would you just raise your hand really quick? Lord, Lord, you see our hands and the raising of our hands is God, just a statement of our hearts. Lord, what we know today is or within our humanity, there's a tendency for us to be pharisaical. There's a tendency for us to be religious. And Jesus, what I know is you hate it. Even as you did in the days of the Pharisees, so you do, Lord, in our own lives. When we become pharisaical, when we become judgmental and critical, and, and we're using rules to control, and we're, we're, we're elevating ourselves over others. All that's about the stench of religion. So Lord, this morning we just repent. We repent, Holy Spirit, to help us to see religion in our lives. Help us to call it what it is. Because Lord, what I know is this is not a Sunday deal and we're done. Lord, what it's been in my life is just an ongoing confronting those tendencies to get stuck in religion. And every day setting my heart to pursue you. So Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, just surface those issues in our lives. Help us to see when we're getting stuck in religion. And Holy Spirit, help us to be those who live grace. Who live out grace to others. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.